This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. What a joy it is to celebrate Christmas at this time of year. We often think of Christmas in light of God's great gift to us, right? We've talked about that, sung about that tonight. And so we should. What a great gift we've been given. God gave us his son. But while angels and shepherds rejoiced, there was a weight on the heart of the Father because God was giving up his son. And I want to take the remainder of our time tonight to focus on that aspect. God so loved the world that he gave his son. The weight of that giving, I believe, is felt by two words that are used five times in the New Testament to refer to the Lord Jesus. John 3, 16, we could all quote it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I want to focus on those words, on a word that is translated, only begotten, uh, in the scripture. It's a Greek word, monogonase. And when you take it apart, mono, one, or single, and then genase, if you would look at it in the Greek language, uh, you would see that it looks like the word gene, and it, it takes us uh, back to genealogy. It talks about uh, the, just the substance of man, but the idea is only son, only person, depending on the context and uh, the, uh, whether it's referencing uh, gender, being a man or a woman. But in those two words, we find really the great agony of heart that God the Father must have felt when he sent his son here. We've been doing some Christmas traveling already and have said goodbye to some of our children yet again. I will tell you that it's harder to say goodbye to the daughters than it is the sons. But yet when you say goodbye, you think about, well, maybe in a few months we'll see him again. Even if you say goodbye to someone who has been promoted to glory, yet even there we all understand that it's probably going to be just a matter of decades and we'll see him in heaven. But consider the fact that when the father said goodbye to his son, it was going to be for 33 years. Now this word is used not just five times in reference to God the father talking about the son. But it's also used other times to again tug at our hearts about what it is to have a child and then to either lose the child or be threatened by losing the child. And so monogonase is used other times in our New Testament. And I just want to walk us through some of those times to, to try to 
help us see from Scripture the tug on the heart. I, I believe the Holy Spirit put this in the New Testament so that we would feel that tug on our hearts to try to better understand what the Father did for us by giving his only begotten Son. Of course, Luke's gospel tells us about many of the Lord's miracles. Many of those miracles involved children, and there's a common denominator with the children that the Lord either healed or that he raised from the dead. And see if you can figure this out as we look at some of these texts together. I'm in Luke chapter 7, and we read this in verse 11, And it came to pass the day after that he, Jesus, went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now, when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out. The Lord and his disciples are passing a funeral procession. But who is this man being carried out? Well, he is the only son, there's your word, of his mother. And she was a widow and much people of the city was with her. So this woman had already lost her husband. They've got one son together, and now he's being carried out of the city to be buried. And the reason that the Lord gives us this text in Scripture is to see the compassion of the Lord for this woman, but for our heartstrings to be tugged on. Can you imagine having just one and now burying the one? Go over to chapter 8. Luke 8, and look down later at the end of the chapter, verse 41, and behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house, for he had one only daughter. There's your word again. About 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. A 12-year-old. Oh! But as he went, the people thronged him. And we're going to read later that the Lord raises up this girl. One more chapter over, Luke 9. Again, if you'll go towards the end of the chapter... Luke 9, we read in verse 37, And it came to pass that on the next day, when they were come down from the hill, much people met, and behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is mine only child. Monica Nace. He's the only one I have. And what was going on? And lo, a spirit taketh him, and he suddenly crieth out, and it, it uh, teareth him that he foameth again, and bruiseth him hard, uh, hardly, uh, departeth, uh, departeth from him. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, this demon, and they could not. Do these accounts tug at your heart? Well, they're meant to, and then they're meant to show us the great compassion and the great power of our Lord to raise the dead, to heal the sick, and to cast out demons. But also these texts help us understand what's deep in the heart of a, of a parent. And probably the greatest of all 
the examples in scripture of what went on in the heart of a father when it came to his son is found in the story of Abraham and Isaac. Remember the son of promise? And what did God say to do to the son of promise? Take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, and go offer him as a sacrifice. <laughs> Abraham doesn't question God. He gets up early, gets the wood, everything needed, and he goes to offer Isaac. And you'll, you'll be reminded that on the way uh, to where Isaac is to be offered. Isaac's looking around, and, and uh, he's a young man now, and he understands we've forgotten something. And so he says to Dad, I, I see everything that we need. Where's the sacrifice? And what was Abraham's response? God will provide himself a sacrifice. Well, of course, they get to that hill, and on that hill... Abraham ties up Isaac. By this time, he's a, he's a grown young man, and so uh, I'm wondering at this point if Isaac doesn't have to cooperate with Dad to get up on the altar. And you'll remember that there was a knife suspended between heaven and earth, and an angel stops the hand. And God says, now I know, now I know that you trust me but as that knife was raised, what God is allowing us to see through the eyes of Scripture, he's allowing us to see into his heart. Because a knife was stayed in the Old Testament, but you'll remember that a hammer and nails, that was not stopped in the New Testament. And Jesus was nailed to a cross. Hebrews eleven seventeen reflects on this and says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up, and here's our word again, his only begotten son. Does that tug at your heart tonight? I hope it does. Tomorrow, Lord willing, I'll be attending a funeral in Pennsylvania. You heard about this on Sunday, Sunday morning early. I was uh, woken from sleep. Uh, a very, very close friend of mine. The phone rang. I saw his, his number on my phone, and I, I asked him, I said, is everything okay? He said no. Early Sunday morning, his daughter, one of his daughters, and his son-in-law, got up with their three children, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, a one-year-old, loaded up the family van, got on the highway to head to the Midwest for Christmas to be as family together. And an hour away from their home, there was a tragic accident, and the husband, Matt, was killed instantly. His funeral's tomorrow. Nine years ago, I performed the wedding for those two. My heart was so heavy when I heard that. Talking to my friend who said temporarily goodbye, 
having to say goodbye and again tomorrow to his son-in-law. But I'm thinking about this young man's parents who have said goodbye to his son. Cannot even begin to imagine. Now let's go back to our text. In this was manifest the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. We see, we have seen the agony in a parent's heart when a son or daughter is about to die. Imagine the agony in a parent's heart when a son is given up to die. Understand that when God sent forth his son, the plan was not still being made. The plan was already settled and had been for eternity past. When the son left heaven and became flesh, born of a virgin, God incarnate, when that happened, Jesus came to die. And thus is manifest the love of the Father for us. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. What, what, is, what does that refer to, the propitiation for our sin? That is another word for appeasement. Remember that, and in fact, in John chapter 3 and verse 18, we're reminded, he that believeth is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed. And notice that our word is tucked into this verse as well. Hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Understand the great burden and the, and the separation and the great love that God demonstrated by putting his Son out of heaven. And he that believes that God's wrath towards that individual is appeased. And, and when we believe on Christ, he washes our sin and our guilt away. But what about those who rebuff the love, the compassion of the Father? And say, no, I don't believe any of that. And, and, and choose Santa over a Savior. I'm sorry, but that's, in many minds, that's the substitute that tries to bring hope to this season, and it's got nothing to do with St. Nick. Nothing at all. What about those who, who will celebrate and, and you know, they'll, they'll party and they'll give gifts, they'll do all those things, and they'll reject the Son of God? He that believeth is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What's the most important word in that verse? It's God. And the fact that God in great love gave us his Son. No wonder Paul will refer to Jesus as God's unspeakable gift. I hope those of you listening, 
uh, tonight. I hope you'll receive some great gifts tomorrow. Uh, you might even say, I got some amazing gifts this Christmas. But I don't think any of us will ever say, well, yeah, that, that gift was unspeakable. It doesn't matter if it did cost a lot of money. There's no gift that is unspeakable but the gift of God's Son. And now we understand the writer of Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3 that asks that question, thinking about just the love of the Father. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? So here's my challenge to us. As you celebrate Christmas in just two days, and you don't have to wait two days. Start celebrating now. But as you celebrate Christmas, don't think about what's in it for me. That's hard because from the time that we're children, okay, I, I had trouble sleeping Christmas Eve, all right? I just, I couldn't wait to see what was under that tree. And, you know, honestly, it's about me. And I'm thankful for parents, and I hope you parents have these traditions. I hope there are things that you do every year. Mom and Dad would get up, and we'd sit around together. We'd read the Christmas story, and my father would challenge us about the true meaning of Christmas. It wasn't about Mike. It was about what God did in sending his son for Mike. But I want to challenge us to focus on what the father went through so we could have his son. Think about that. We're reminded from scripture that you know, the fact that, that the father gave us his son, will he not with him also freely give us all things? And, and the reality is when we put our faith in Christ, not only do we receive eternal life, we receive the son, but you know, we receive a, an inheritance. Uh, we become partakers of all of the divine blessings. But we must not lose sight of the heart of God and what he endured for us. Perhaps this illustration will help. Years ago, there was a very wealthy man who, with his devoted young son, shared a passion for art, collecting art, buying art. Together they traveled the world, adding only the finest treasures to their collections. It was said... It's been said that this wealthy man owned millions in valuable art. During World War I, his father received a telegram. His son had died in combat while rushing a fellow soldier to a medic. On Christmas morning, a knock on the door came, and this father opened the door, and he was greeted by a soldier with a large package in his hand, and it immediately got the attention of the father because what it looked like was a piece of canvas that had been wrapped as a gift. He introduced himself, this young man, by saying, I was a friend of your son. I was the one he was rescuing in battle when he, di when I, when he died. Then this young man said something that piqued the father's interest. He says, he said, I'm an artist. 
And I want to give you this portrait of your son. Though the world would never consider it a work of genius, the painting featured the young man's face in striking detail. Overcome with emotion, the man thanked the soldier, promising to hang the picture over the fireplace. And again, when you think about a home, where's, where's the, and some people think, well, it's the big screen. Well, it should be the fireplace, all right, if you have one. But right there above the fireplace is where the father hung the portrait of his son who had died. He told his neighbors that this was the greatest gift he had ever received. The following spring, the old man became ill, and he died. The art world was in anticipation. They knew that his great collection would be auctioned off. The day soon arrived, and art collectors from around the world gathered to bid on some of the world's most spectacular paintings. Raphael, Picasso. The auction began with a painting, the painting of the man's son. Who will open the bidding with $100, the auctioneer asked. Silence. Finally, a friend in the room, a friend of the old man, spoke. Will you take $10 for the painting? That's all I have. I knew the boy, so I'd like to have it. Going once, $10. Going twice. Still silence. Gone. The gavel fell, cheers filled the room, and someone exclaimed, Now we can get on with it. We can bid on those other treasures. Then the auctioneer announced that the auction was over. People screamed, There are millions of dollars of art here. We demand an explanation. The auctioneer replied, it's very simple. According to the will of the father, whoever takes the son gets it all. Now as we think about the true meaning of Christmas, we understand whoever takes the son, whoever takes Jesus, gets everything, including eternal life the inheritance that is heaven. But I love this story because it reminds us that really the, what's foundational about, about it all is, is the love of the Father for the Son. And if you love the Son, you love what the Father loves. And therein is, is the essence of Christmas and why it's so special that the God of heaven would love us so much that he would give us what he loved the most. He gave us his son. Now parents, you need to think through this so that on Christmas morning with your young people, you can try to help them understand. Maybe this will help. I've already told you 
Lord willing, where I'll be tomorrow. But I, I can't imagine giving up any of my children, any of my sons. And maybe, parents, you can explain that to your children. Can't imagine giving up any of you. But what we're really celebrating this morning is the fact that God took his son and made him our gift. And that, I believe, God can use in our own hearts and our children's hearts to help us really understand. Jesus was born to die. He came to alleviate the wrath of God against sinful man. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. Father, thank you tonight for your son. Lord, we would love to have the whole church family present here worshiping you together. Lord, with these beautiful Christmas decorations and, and great music, Lord, we wish tonight that families could give their offerings as families to you. But that was not your plan for tonight. Instead, in a quiet room, we've had the opportunity to think about your unspeakable gift. And Lord, we've been able to consider your unspeakable love. Can't even imagine, Father, that you, you gave us Jesus. Knowing that from his very birth, it would be hardship, a shepherd's stable, apprenticeship as a carpenter, and then as a man being mocked, blasphemed, and ultimately to go to a cross and shed his blood, who without sin could pay for our sin. Father, thank you for revealing your love to us. Help us, give us grace to love you more, to love you back. And Lord, may this motivation be our motivation during this wonderful time of year and especially Christmas. Now, Lord, continue to work in our hearts. Bless the remainder of our worship here together. And Lord, if there's anyone watching whose heart doesn't know you, would you bring them to salvation? Help them to repent of their sin and to turn in faith. They cannot escape unless they believe on Jesus Christ for salvation. And Lord, tonight, if there are believers who are taking in this message, have joined our service, our church family, or perhaps other saints, and Lord, as we've looked at this truth, they've been reminded that their hearts are cold, distracted by stuff, maybe even Christmas gifts. Lord, would you just give them the grace to turn to you in prayer and worship, to confess their, their coldness, to confess their indifference. And Lord, would you so work in our hearts that this Christmas is different, that we love you. And Lord, we show it by our worship. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. Father, thank you for manifesting your love to us in this extraordinary way. 
We pray these things now with gratitude. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's Word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.